Hi, folks. I'm Duncan Gill, child and adolescent psychiatrist. And I'm Victoria Lee, licensed clinical mental health counselor. And welcome to Is There a Med for That? the podcast about teen mental health, behavioral problems, and what to do about them. Victoria and I have been working together for years with kids. Sometimes we use therapy, sometimes medication. Sometimes we just give guidance to parents. And we realize that sometimes kids just need to be left alone. We don't have all the answers, but we've got some of them. We'll do our best to share what we've learned over the years working with struggling kids and their families. We hope you enjoy the show and that we can be helpful to those who have taken on the hardest, most important job in the world, being a parent. Hello, Duncan. Hi, Vicki. How's it going today? Good. Just had a nice Thanksgiving. How about you? I had a really good holiday as well. The little kids, the family, everything very nice. Coming back to work? Yeah. I like coming back to work after holidays. I do, do too. I do too. Um, vacation, I've always found tough. I like vacation. I also like coming back to work. Yeah. Because I like both. But, and I, yeah. Well, here we are. Here we are. What are we going to talk about today? Our podcast staffer. Is that what we call Angela? She's one of our several, many staffers. Many staff supporting our triumphant efforts here at Is There a Med for That? Our organization has grown. It's growing exponentially. Has um, From one a to call. Two. It's kind of not a caller, but uh, someone sent us a message Great. wanting some help. Let's hear some it. quasi-professionals. Okay. All right. Angela? Hi, I'm a teenager who struggles with anxiety, depression, and mood instability. I have been getting help for it for years now. Even with the help, progress isn't linear, so I have my good days and bad days. Recently, my mom has been expressing this guilt that she feels because of what I was struggling with. She believes that the bloodline on both of my parents' side and the genetics from both her and my dad have caused me to suffer in life. I feel bad that she feels this guilt because even though I'm struggling, I would never blame it on any of my pain on her. I do not know what to do to show her that she is in no way to blame for anything. Thanks from Kate. Wow. What an articulate question. Yeah. Glad they wrote in for some support and guidance as well, because that could be a tough spot to, to sit. Sounds like Kate's a teenager writing in for some support. Anxiety and depressed. Definitely. Yep. Feels that mom is harboring some guilt. I don't know. Harboring is the right word, but maybe expressed word. guilt to her. Right. Maybe there, that would be a good spot to start, really making sure that you've asked mom directly about it and having some dialogue around, you know, because one thing, if you feel your parents having guilt, but maybe that is what's going on, but maybe it's not, maybe it's more complex than that. And even just talk about it, if it is guilt can be helpful. So to recap, Kate thinks, is, is struggling because she thinks mom feels guilty that Kate is depressed and anxious because of genetics in the family. Yep. You're right. I guess the first question is if that's accurate. Yep. And I think, yeah, that's what we do is we directly ask mom. Kate could directly ask mom if, you know, that's a concern Kate has, you know, do you feel like somehow this is your fault? Yeah. Yeah. And then if mom does express guilt, that she, I think that's pretty normal for a parent. Oh, yeah. Don't you feel guilty about a lot of things? I sure do. Yeah. Bring him into the world. Yeah. Sometimes, no, seriously, that, that can be. No, I, I resonate with that a lot personally in my life with, I remember the very first time I looked at my firstborn and he had a sad face. It was like, he was probably like a few hours old and it really hit me that, wow, like someday he's going to die. Yes. You said that, you know, and that real 
existential awareness of to give life is to also really have, you know, the ultimate sacrifice you're asking of them too, because no one lives forever or avoids pain and sickness. So whether or not you're looking at it from a mental health perspective, I think it's normal for parents to have some guilt. I think maybe part of the question is looking at how much guilt is mom harboring or expressing around this in particular. You can't undo your family heritage, I guess, right? Your heritage, you can't change Mm. that. Um, So mom can't control what she's passed along. It's already done. An interesting thing that comes to mind is, yeah, first of all, mom may say, no, I really, you know, that's inaccurate. Okay, so maybe in, in Kate's mind. The second is, it is interesting if a parent were to express a lot of guilt to a child about something like that. It might actually say something about mom. Yeah, and I think that's where we want to maybe support mom, right, in right-sizing whatever feeling she's having in this moment. If it's the guilt, if the guilt is excessive, trying to process. um, One, I think you first have to embrace the guilt, right? That's really important because, yeah, if you do have genetics where there are you know, I have a lot of alcoholism and addiction in my family and we've chosen and so does my husband. And so we've chosen to have children knowing that and there is some extra inherent risk in their life and that we try to consider how we're going to bring them up knowing that. Um, yeah, so embracing the feelings important for mom, but then if it is excessive, what do you do from there? What were you thinking, Dunk? Um what I often say when we get a kid in here for an intake where there's something really biological going on, like depression or bipolar disorder, is I'll say, you know, this is, you know, depression's a really genetic thing. It sounds like it runs in the family. The goodness you gave your child all kinds of great things, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And which is true, right? Yeah. We give kids, quote, good and bad, end quote, things. Definitely. Yeah, and I think part of it too, maybe therefore, is to help mom maybe look at, is she experiencing some depression right now too? And helping mom maybe get any support she might need to keep it right-sized and how to folk, how to shift her focus just from maybe the doom and gloom of it to the more positive. Yeah, I guess from an objective point of view, um, let's embrace all feelings, right? But So this isn't exactly the way maybe it should be put, but you shouldn't feel guilty about anything genetic passed on to your child. Uh, at least from a logical point of view, you really don't have control over that. But you do have control about having kids or not. That's Maybe true. that's where the guilt comes in. I see. Because the other choice is what, you don't have children? And that's where like this bigger view of considering, well, you have a lot of good to give too. You probably have a lot of love to give your daughter, right. all the care that you've supplied. And then good genetic, if you made it this far in the human history, you got some badass ancestors along the way. <laughs> so it's not all bad. Compensating. Right? Well, I was actually sort of taking that to a more philosophical extreme, which is there are illnesses like like Huntington's, um, Korea, which you know have a 50% chance of being transmitted to children, right? which is really bad dementia starting in your 40s, mm-hmm. which is fatal. So there certainly are instances where it can be really extreme, that decision to have kids um, can be much more sort of agonizing, perhaps. Right. But I would say t- psychiatric things, for the most part, are very treatable. The, the biological parts are very treatable. 
So bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, depression, pretty much everything. Yeah. Yeah. And in some of what the writer in Kate might be experiencing, it might just be normal adolescent stuff too, mixed in with some biological. So it might not all be biological stuff going on for her either. Right. And just the fact that mom is attuned enough to feeling guilty about her child really speaks well of mom in the relationship and something that mom has to offer. Yep. And taking responsibility for what you can take responsibility for. And being aware early on in Kate's upbringing that that may be an issue. Yep. So a lot of parents, you know, wouldn't even think of, uh, this could, might not become apparent until Kate's twenties or thirties with alcoholism or something else. So it's also really nice that mom may be attuned to some genetic risks there. Right. And trying to go back to one of our underlying principles or philosophies as a parent, it's really important to stay positive and trying to create a positive culture at home. And, you know, what do we mean by positive, constructive and optimistic? And so even if we're feeling, you know, excessive guilt or feeling down about something, doesn't mean ignore it, embrace it. But how can you, how can you discuss it? How can you address it in a way that's optimistic and positive as the parent? Um, because in and of itself, if you're not taking that, if you're not choosing to address it in that orientation, you're probably going to be adding to the problem for your child, right? Because now here your child is trying to care for you and your guilt, which is good. There should be some reciprocity and caring for each other and being emotionally attuned. But if you're starting to put excessive guilt onto your child about that, um, not putting guilt onto them, but your child then is taking it on in some way, that's where there might be an imbalance going on. When we first heard the question, we thought, you know, perhaps the mother's not guilty at all. And then it occurred to me another possibility is that uh, mom could be intentionally putting guilt on her child. Some which parents we occasionally do that. see. Yep. Um, probably not in this instance, but, but you as never I said, know. I could say more about mother in many ways and um, whether or not her guilt is excessive or if it's a way of. Um, eliciting care eliciting from your daughter, care from her daughter, some codependency stuff can be there, right? Some trauma, right? Maybe if she grew up in a family with excessive mental health issues as a child, the mother herself, right? Grew up, yeah. It's really important to be tuning to that as you're as a teenager dealing with your family of origin, because what seems normal to you might not actually be normal behavior. And again, not saying that this is, we don't know Kate, we don't know her mother, we don't know the situation, but we're running through what potentially could come up. Yeah. So if we go back to Kate and Kate's question, which is, I think, how do I approach this or what do I do? Um, We've sort of identified some possibilities. Where would you start? I think we would talk, I would talk with her about talking with mom. Um, and if it's a reoccurring issue, it might be a good place to even talk to a family counselor right. together, um, and have someone just mediate and give some insight. Cause maybe there are underlying dynamics that are coming to play in this situation that the counselor could shed light on for both of you. It sounds like both are invested in the relationship. So maybe that would be a good arena to focus in and, and get some good work done. And then I'd also say, keep your focus on yourself too. attend to relationships lovingly, but 
bring it back to yourself and, you know, do the work you need to do and sound like you are doing to continue to do better, function better and, and feel better ultimately. And that is probably one of the most loving things we can do for any relationship is to take care of ourselves and to continuously try to improve and be our best version of self that we can be. There's, yeah, well put. There's always at risk in this type of, of dynamic of mom feeling guilty about the genetics um, and then Kate feeling guilty about mom's guilt and then mom's guilty about making Kate guilty that right. mom's guilty. Yeah, and then you start to get all that like codependent sort of vibe going there and... Um, yeah, each person taking responsibility for their feelings and then responsibility for their behaviors yeah. is really important in any relationship, whether it's mother and daughter, husband and wife, father, son. Ultimately, it is it is what it is, and you're not going to change that. Right. So how does Kate move forward? And how does mom move forward? And the communication piece is excellent because they can make a plan together. Right. They can acknowledge whatever feelings are already there. Yep. And then say, okay, what are we going to do about it? Move past the um, stuck point. basting and feelings phase. Yeah. Yep. Did I just make that up? No, I think sounds good. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I would encourage the caller to reflect on the various different things we, we brought up and see if any resonate with you. And if, if it just makes you feel more confused, that could be a, a, a <laughs> sign sorry. that we suck. Um, or it could also be a sign that maybe it is a good place where there is some dysfunction going on that you could use a, you know, a third party to maybe help you guys navigate right. it. Which would be um, uh, probably a family therapist. Yeah. Yep. A lot of individual therapists work with families as well. Um, but I would look for someone who has experience working with families. Right. Because it's a whole different dynamic than just an individual right. case. Best of luck, Kate. Yeah. Thank you very much for your call and um, uh, we appreciate it. Yeah, right again if anything new comes up. All right, shall we move on to Let's take another question. Two? Great. Hey, Ben, do you mind reading it to us? Hey, guys, I have a newborn son at home. How do I implement the behavioral guidelines when the rest of my family doesn't want to practice? From Lisa. Oof, Thanks a good for your one. question, Lisa. Yeah. You know, it's a question we actually get a lot. Before I jump into our recommendations or our thoughts on it, what Lisa's referring to, the behavioral guidelines, in our IOP program, PHP program at Direction, we pract we have we implement um, standardized practice at home where we recommend parents and kids team up on practicing them together at home. It's a way to um, form a team and have um, explicated behaviors that everyone's aiming to practice Social together. behavior that everybody agrees to. Yes. Greeting each other, apologizing for accidents, uh, offenses. Yeah. Um, what else is in there? Avoid offensive language, that yep. kind of thing. Honestly, give your best effort. Put group ahead of personal interest. Um, so basically, if you do not know what the behavioral guidelines are, you can still get a lot out of this question because basically what do you do when you feel you have some really good principles that you want to parent by and others around you don't agree to those same principles or values? Particularly other parental figures. And th this yes. could be a husband or a wife as well, right? Yeah. And it happens a lot in homes. Yep. Um, I think it's actually one of, I think it's number three on the reasons why people get divorced or maybe... 
Different parenting styles? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I know money's one. What's the other big divorce reason? Uh, affairs, maybe? Affairs, maybe. Facebook. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do think they're citing it more, though, on divorce. Sports um, team preferences. That could be a big one. Um, all right. So what do you do? Well, the very first message, I think, is it's doable. You can still practice whatever you want to practice with you and your child. It's a lot easier when everyone's on the same page and teamed up and um, sharing a language or an orientation towards parenting. But if you don't have that, I think it becomes all that much more important that you believe in what you're practicing and that you focus in on your own practice and not focus in on trying to change what others think and feel about parenting. Right. Ultimately, it's your child. Yep. Your responsibility. That's a piece of it, too. Um, And then, yeah, it's really hard when it's your child and you're living in someone else's home because you have to respect their home and their values. But like you said, it's ultimately your child. Yeah, ideally you move out. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah. that may not be feasible. Right. Right. So trying to find a place where others are like-minded in your parenting can be probably the optimal situation, right? Where find you're, areas in which you agree. Is that, that what you mean? No, I was oh, just I was I was seconding what you said. Yeah, if you if you can, the optimal thing would be to move out, find, you know, create your own little tribe of people who support mm. you and what you think about parenting. But for most people, especially nowadays where intergenerational living is actually getting more common, there's actually a really good um, podcast about that on NPR recently. Not mm. podcast, but um I maybe show. show on intergenerational living and some tips to how to make that work. Um but I think if you, so if you're stuck in that situation, you're not stuck, you're fortunate enough maybe to have a family who is welcoming you back in. I'd say step one is talking about it too and trying to make sure that you're not trying to control them. Your family, your parents. Yeah, because right. you are living in their home and you have to respect that. But like you said, it is your child. And so really articulating why it's important to you can be helpful. And then, like you said, following up on, well, what areas do we actually agree on? Maybe starting there and trying to focus in on them and making them bigger. And if there's any outright safety issues, we should probably address that too. Because if you're, say you're living in a home where your parents believe in corporal punishment, you do not. That's a, that might be a deal breaker. Right. Um, Or if you feel like they're doing excessive harm to your child, you might need to find, um, you know, find some resources where you can move out or figure out how to keep your kiddo safe is number one. But assuming that that's not the case, that it's really just about preferences. Style, right. Yeah. I mean, if my mom were listening to this, she'd be laughing because she knows that her and I see some things differently, hmm. whether it's screen time or snack time. We have different values on that. Um, but we do agree on a lot of things. And right. that's where we try to team up for the sake of our kids and for the sake of our relationship too. I think a lot of what becoming a new parent can bring up as well is a sense of you are now in a whole new developmental phase in your life and you're going to be getting to know yourself better. And often new parenting can bring up a lot of your own stuff in your relationship Uh with your parents. Yep. And so working on that as it arises might be important too. The degree you can... You can try to view the glasses half full, 
in that your child should get used to being exposed to different kinds of people with different perspectives. Yep. Diversity of experience can be really helpful. So that there actually may be a value to that. Um, to the, as long as you can temper it, I guess also depending on the age of your child, maybe having a conversation with your child, you know, your child may, if as they get older, right. As child children want to do may try to play you off grandfather off grandmother yep. and, and split as we say. So being prepared for the fact that, um, your child may use the confusion, uh, to get what he or she wants as well. Yep. Yeah. And I like, I actually rely on that. What you said a lot with my own relationships with my parent, my mom and stepdad and other people who help take care of our kiddos. I go back to that diversity of experience, which I think is very good for kids to be exposed again within this, the realm of safety and basic care <laughs> being met. It's really healthy for kids to have diversity of experience in their life. Um, it helps them learn more about what's out there. It helps them, I think, determine what they like and what they don't like more. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of value in that. How to get along with different kinds of people. Yep. And how to feel confident in self, because if you're only used to relating to one type of person, it can be very hard to relate to different as you get older. And so as a child, having multiple caregivers can be useful. It's really for 99% of human history. I think that's how right. we did it. Um, it's kind of odd now that we're all isolated into these little bubbles. I think you have to accept the fact it's going to be not necessarily your values, but there's going to be a compromise in that it's not going to be ideal. It yep. may not be exactly the way you want. And having a little bit of flexibility, yep. this reminds me, Victoria, of when you said, I believe you brought your kids over to your mom's and your mom believes in more snacks or TV or something than you yep. do. And having misgivings about that. On the other hand... Um, diversity of experience, right? Yeah, and the foundation at my mom's house is love. Like I know right. she loves my kids. It's not going to destroy my your kids. child. Right, and it's a place where they can have another adult who cares about them other than myself. And as they get older, I think that'll be increasingly important. So if you know they find, even today, Charlie walked into my mom's house and said, I'm angry at her pointing at me because, you know, we had a disagreement about shoes or something. You know, and that's great that my child has another adult who cares about him and is pretty sound of mind to go to and talk to about right. that. Yeah, and so looking at it in the positive, being optimistic and constructive in the way that you are orienting yourself to the situation at hand versus yourself getting all bent out of shape right. and upset and trying to seek control. Because right, that's that. probably worse than that is worse than the diversity of experience. Yes, is the type of um, uh, the, the conflict and negative way of dealing with it that's going to yeah. be much more. Yeah, do not fight the with them about it, right? Because right? then that you're role modeling fighting in your house. Uh, a next practical step would be to try to come up with some proactive agreements that you can have with your parents about you know if it's about screen time or snack time or. You know, like if there's discipline, how do we do that? Try to slowly over time negotiate how do we as a family do that? And that doesn't mean you as the parent is going to change what you do, but maybe talking with them about maybe, for example, your dad yells, you feel too much when he's upset. Could you talk to him about what could our plans be when you are upset? Do you mind 
taking space and then talking to him? Or is there a way that you can communicate to him without yelling? Ultimately, if everybody loves the kid, it's probably going to be okay. Yep. Yep. Foundation of safety and love is really important. Yeah. And then a whole separate question, I think, well, to be kept a little separate because uh, it's such a big subject in itself is co-parenting. Yeah. Whether you're together in the same house or, you know, probably even a bigger thing is if you're separate households. Yeah, we could do a whole episode on that. Let's do that. Let's do that. Um, hope that was helpful, Lisa. Thank you, guys. And I think that's it for today, right? Let's wrap it up. Wrap it up. All right, folks, we'll see you next time. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Is There a Med for That? For more information about our podcast and our clinical work, visit our website at medforthat.com. If you've got questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover, feel free to email us at contact at medforthat.com. We'd love to answer some of your questions on air. Have a great day.